good evening. This is Bible Talk with Jane and Shannon. I'm Jane. And I'm Shannon. And tonight we're talking about Elijah. I love Elijah. This is like the prophet that he has so many highs and lows and he he's just an amazing man. But as scripture says, he was just a man. Right. And what he did, the, the well, let's read that one from James. James 5, 15 through 17. You want to read that? Um, sure, I'll find it here. And then I'm going to skip back to 1 Kings 17 after you do this. But remember, Elijah was a faithful man, but he was just a man like a human, just like me and you. 17. Elijah was a human being, even as we are. Oh, start in 15, because okay. it talks about prayer. Okay, and the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Oh, then read the next verse. Okay. I'm being demanding. Yes, you are. <laughs> Sorry. Again, he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. Yeah. Wow. That's a big deal. But anyway... I, I have been reading in First Kings. I'm just going through the Bible again this year. And, mm-hmm. uh, I'm going to read uh, the first. Where are you going to start at? I'm going to start in First Kings 17. This is where Elijah comes on the scene for us. And in this Bible I have, um, it's the Concise Study Bible, English Standard Version, does say that, that prophets had to be 30 years old. So we know he was at least 30. Well, we really don't know how old he was, but... Um, the other thing that you mentioned, we were talking about this earlier, that I did not know that all prophets. Yeah, they all dress with the, hairy coats. They wear the hairy hair shirts. Hair robes and then a leather thing around their Which place. must have been miserable. Know. Well, they didn't have hair on the inside. It was on the no, outside. No, it was hair on the inside. It was hair. It was the same thing that John the Baptist wore. Yeah, but. A camel hair coat. If you make a coat out of camel hair. Isn't the hair on the outside? No, it's. It's made out of the hair. It's like a really coarse wool. Oh. It probably would not be comfortable. Oh, I thought it was just hairy, like the hide. No, no, I don't think they just wore fuzzy jackets. I don't know. We'll have to look that up. Anyway, okay. he looked odd. But I guess okay. all the prophets looked odd. So, But I'm going to read from 17, 1 Kings 17. And I'm going to read what I wrote yesterday because it's so good. Now, Elijah the Tishbite of Tishbe, and my Bible says they have no idea where Tishbe was, in Gilead, said to Ahab, this is King Ahab of Israel, as the Lord, the God of Israel lives before whom I stand, there shall be neither dew nor rain these years except by my word. And the word of the Lord came to him, depart from here and turn eastward, hide yourself by the brook Cherith, which is east of the Jordan. You shall drink from the brook and I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. I'll just keep reading this part. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord. He went and lived by the brook Cherith that is east of the Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening. And he drank from the brook. Okay, so I'm going to read this. All right, so these verses are amazing. They tell us so much about you, Lord. This was me talking to the Lord. First, you know Elijah's prophecy about the drought put him in mortal danger. So you picked the perfect hiding place for him. He said, run, Mm -hmm. go run. And you told him how you would feed him. Ravens would feed him. 
And then I wrote, you are over all of creation. It is always there for you to use to carry out your will. And then you, oh, and then we'll talk about where he goes next. But that's, that's the one thing I've been thinking about. And I guess I mentioned it in the last few podcasts is that we have to remember everything is at God's disposal. So when mm-hmm. we need provision, God has no limits. I mean, he could, he can create something out of nothing, but sometimes like here, he used unclean birds, ravens, to bring this guy food, meat. I don't know what kind of meat he brought him, but uh, he must have really got to be friends with the birds. I think so. I would think he probably talked to them a little bit. I think he had no one else to talk to except for God. So yeah, talk to God and the birds. The birds had come. Good morning. What'd you bring me today? Hey, maybe there were like 12 and he named them all after Jacob's sons. Who knows? I don't know. That That is Jane's thought. That is not in the Bible. But it would have been easy. But it is interesting that God used a raven because a raven is, you know, when we look in uh, Exodus and we see the manna from heaven, mm-hmm. God provides in different ways in all these times. Yeah. And the raven is an unclean bird mm-hmm. that they were told not to eat. Mm-hmm. And yet that unclean bird is what brought him his food, which yeah. is I, that's kind of See, special. I, I would think if someone would have thought of it, they wouldn't have thought of ravens because they were called unclean. But we can't put God in a box. No. He never goes against his word. But sometimes we perceive his word means a certain thing. So when he do, does it contrary to our perception, it kind of, it will blow our minds. You know, it's just like crazy. So after this, now this is another thing I want to talk about. Mm-hmm. And Jesus actually brings this up to, to people. So maybe we can look that up. Okay. After a while, this is verse seven of first Kings 17. And after a while, the brook dried up because there was no rain in the land. Mm. So, the, yeah. So he's by this peaceful little brook, probably living very as calmly and calm and as I mean, it was an aesthetic life. It was bread and water. Yeah. Oh no, meat and water. Meat and bread and water. Meat and bread and water. But very simple life. Just. Oh, maybe. Oh, he doesn't say what they're going to bring. No, to feed you. They brought bread and meat. Yeah. So he's he's living a very simple, quiet life. Probably happy. To be simple and quiet and away from all of the chaos. Probably. He seems like, you know, you know all, the, all the stuff going, well, all the stuff going on with Israel. Yeah. He's just away from it. He gets to step away from it. And I'm sure at some point he thought, this is my life and I'm okay with that. Well, I'm you, content with it. This is good. Ravens can learn to talk. So yes. maybe he taught them things. But whatever. He's probably enjoying the peace. Mm-hmm. And then God dries up the brook. Yes. It's like, oh, wait a minute. Yes, but then the word. Had it all figured out. Then the word. Of the, yeah, he probably thought he'd stay there for three years. But yeah. obviously he doesn't. Well, because it's not going to rain for three years. I'll just sit here and wait. Then the word of the Lord came to him. Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon. Dwell there. Behold, I've commanded a widow there to feed you. So I want to say here. Okay, so this now is, he gets a command from God and God dries the brook up. So there's no choice. Yep. And he goes, and this is Jezebel's territory, right in the heart of Baal worship. Mm-hmm. Jezebel's married to Ahab, and, and she runs him, and he lets her, and he's a weenie. And- it's interesting because, you know, God tells him to go, and he makes it necessary. Mm-hmm. He takes the water away from him yeah, and says, this is where I want you to go. So, yeah, he, send her, he sends him into that territory, but I, I always find it kind of 
God says, I want you to go. And oh, by the midway, yeah. you're out of water. Go now. Yeah. And <laughs> I think it's funny that, you know, he sent him right there. And I think the, one of the reasons, well, I don't know the reasons, but he picked a specific Gentile widow to mm -hmm. provide for him. But also later in the story, we find out that Ahab had sent people all over trying to find him and they never found him, but they never did go to, to Jezebel's hometown because why would he go there? Cause right. she's evil. So I'm going to read, I'm just going to read some more here. So, uh, behold, I've commanded a widow there to feed you. Okay. That's funny to me. I've commanded a widow. She had no idea, mm -hmm. but this is how God speaks. So, so Elijah rose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, bring me a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to bring it, he called to her and said, bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. And she said, that's interesting. Cause that in my translation, there's, there's a little bit different. Oh, what does yours say? Okay. Um, this is the NIV. It says when he came to the town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks. He called to her and asked, would you bring me a little water in a jar so that I might have a drink? Oh, As she was going to get it, he said, and bring me, please, a piece of bread. Mm. wasn't a command. He was asking. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then she said, as surely as the Lord your God lives. Yeah. Oh, keep reading that. Yeah. Your I God. don't have any bread. Only yeah. a handful of flour in a jar and a little olive oil in a jug. I'm gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. In other oh, words, God. she's on her last leg. She has absolutely nothing left. And she and her son are going to starve to death. And well, she's she's taken this home with the full intention of this will be our last meal and then we're just going to die. They're dealing with the drought too. Mm -hmm. And and she's a widow, so she has no one to provide for her in any way, shape, yeah, or form. Just her and her son. And her son is young, apparently. Yeah. And, and <clears throat> yeah, so she's, she is. She's in despair. She thinks she's dying. Mm -hmm. Well, there's no other choice in but her mind. She was a Gentile because she said, as surely as the Lord, your Lord God, God lives. Yes. In other words, she says, I tell you the truth. By saying, as surely mm -hmm. as your God lives, she's saying, mm -hmm. I, I got nothing. And then I'll keep going. And Elijah said to her, do not fear. Go and do as you have said. But first make me a little cake of it and bring it to me. And afterward, make something for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, the jar of flour shall not be spent and the jug of oil shall not be empty until the day that the Lord sends rain upon the earth. And she went and did as Elijah said, and she and he and her household ate for many days. The jar of flour was not spent, neither did the jug of oil become empty, according to the word of the Lord that he spoke by Elijah. Hmm. And then you want to read the next part, and then we can just jump ahead or okay. whatever. The next section of... Okay. These are so, great. Well, let's yeah, let's just summarize what, what just happened then. Okay. So God said, I have someone for you that's going to feed you. Mm -hmm. And Elijah shows up and sees this widow and asks her for water. And she doesn't say, God said, I'm supposed to wait for you here to get water, right. get food for you. She just says, I'm out of food. This is the last of it. And he said, well, but that last of it will be enough. Mm-hmm. God will take care of it. Don't worry about it. The last of it will be enough. And so it says food every day for them. So, I mean, it, it was a miraculous thing that just kept going on and on. This is another way that, so God chose a Gentile woman to provide for Elijah while he's providing through her. Mm -hmm. But so he's a Jew and he's eating with her and 
mm-hmm. you know, so it's, um, there's a lot of cultural, um, <clears throat> no, no's going on right here. Mm-hmm. But um, that's what you said. Cultural no, no's not, right. not God. anything against God. But these are the, these are the things that culturally a Jewish man would not go into her house ever. He would not eat with a Gentile. He would not do that. But God said, this is what you're supposed to do. So mm-hmm. he did. Mm-hmm. All right. So starting in verse 17, it says, Sometime later, the son of the woman who owned the house became ill. He grew worse and worse and finally stopped breathing. She said to Elijah, What do you have against me, man of God? Did you come to remind me of my sin and kill my son? So in other words, This is my fault. She's blaming it on herself, but mm-hmm. also blaming it on God, saying, mm-hmm. You're just reminding me of how bad I am and what I did to get myself here. In verse 19, it starts, Give me your son, Elijah replied. He took him from her arms, carried him to the upper room where he was staying, and laid him on his bed. Then he cried out to the Lord, Lord, my God, have have you brought tragedy even on this widow? I am staying with because, or with causing her, by causing her son to die. I'm going to really try that one again. Then he cried out to the Lord, Lord, my God, have you brought tragedy even on this widow I am staying with by causing her son to die? Then he stretched him out on the boy three times and cried out to the Lord, Lord, my God, let this boy's life return to him. The Lord heard Elijah's cry and the boy's life returned to him and he lived. Elijah picked up the child and carried him down from the room into the house. He gave him to his mother and said, look, your son is alive. Then the woman said to Elijah, now I know that you are a man of God and that the word of the Lord from your mouth is the truth. Amen. That's amazing. <laughs> just these, these... <clears throat> she called him man of God. Yeah. But then when she brought the son back, now I she know that Lord. this is, this yeah. is God. Yeah. Lord of the Lord. And later Jesus says to the people that God, he, he references the story and say, wasn't there a lot of widows in Israel, but God sent Elijah to this, this uh, Gentile woman and, Elijah, I don't want to read his whole story. I really want to encourage anybody who's listening to read it because this is this is a great part of First Kings. And so then also it goes in uh, in verse eighteen. There's a a bunch of great stuff. Nineteen, and then we see him again. Uh, he takes uh, Elisha becomes his his like. Uh, Apprentice. Understudy, yeah. Yep. And then eventually Elijah okay. is brought into, he goes up to heaven in a chariot of fire. Okay. Here's the passage that Jesus mentions in Luke 4. He says, truly he continued. And this is, he's talking about himself. Mm-hmm. Okay. No prophet is accepted in his hometown. Oh, right. This right. is when Jesus was reje- rejected. Rejected, yeah. I assure you that there were many widows in Israel in Elijah's time when the sky was shut for three and a half years and there was a severe famine throughout the land. Yet Elijah was not sent to any of them, but to a widow in Zarephath in the region of Sidon. And there were many in Israel with leprosy in the time of Elisha the prophet, yet not one of them was cleansed, only named the Syrian. That's right. So Jesus is saying, yeah, there were a lot of widows at the time, a lot of Jewish widows. Mm-hmm. But that's not who he was sent to. Mm-hmm. And God so Jesus is way. talking about being rejected in his own time, oh, his own land. Right. So and he says, so it. was Elijah. Mm. Elijah had to go to a Gentile woman for this stuff. And, and the thing is at that, well, even now, Elijah is a huge prophet to the Jewish people and right. to, well, we found out to Islam and to Christianity. Yeah. So yeah. they would never have, at that time when Jesus was talking, they were lifting him up. But when Elijah was alive, 
that he was shunned. Judaism was was shunning him. Yes. So it's interesting. Um, you know, there's there's when the story of Elijah and the confrontations with Baal and all those kind of things. Mm-hmm. Um, but he has such highs and lows. He does. He has very, very highs and, and very, very high times and very, very long, low times as well. Um, and and then how about he comes back? Um, well, actually, he comes back. He will come back again. But in in um, the Mount of Transfiguration, he's mm-hmm. one of the ones. He and Moses talks to Jesus about what's becoming next: his crucifixion, resurrection. Right. Let's look and at he's at that level because it also yeah. goes there in. Uh, in Revelation. Revelation, yes, that's what the second one. Yeah, he will be one of the two witnesses. Um, Transformation, transfer the Mount of Transformation. Uh, oh, Matthew seventeen. I'll get there, Matthew seventeen, and I'll read this. I mean, again, though, he was a man, a person just like me and you. He was a, just very faithful to God. Mm-hmm. So, all right, so 17 in Matthew. And after six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John, his brother, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. And his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as light. And behold, there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with him. And Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good that we're here. If you wish, I'll make Peter should have just been quiet. I will make three tents here, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. He's still speaking when, behold, bright cloud overshadowed them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my beloved son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell on their faces and was terrified. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Rise and have no fear. And when they lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. So I know it says somewhere. So where's the other... uh, Mount of Transfiguration, where it talks about how they, uh, let's see here, John, where else is it mentioned in the Bible, the Transfiguration? Because another place, oh, and then I have something else to say about Elijah. So what, what did you read from Matthew? Uh, Matthew 17. Mark but, 9. Mark 9, yeah, okay. 2 through 8. Okay. You want to read that? Uh, you go ahead. Okay. Mark 19 through 8. Okay. And after six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, led them up a high mountain to themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his clothes became radiant, intensely white, as no one on earth could bleach them. And there appeared to them Elijah with Moses, and they were talking with Jesus. And Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it's good that we're here. Da, da, da. Um, well, maybe I, th- I thought I read that somewhere that they... We're talking to him about yeah, what that's was in to Luke. come. That's oh, Luke. okay, read that. I've got that, Luke 9, starting oh, in verse okay. 28. About eight days after Jesus said this, he took Peter, John, and James with him and went up onto a mountain to pray. <clears throat> as he was praying, the appearance of his face changed and his clothes became as bright as a flash of lightning. Wow. Two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared in glorious splendor talking with Jesus. They spoke about his departure which he was about to bring fulfillment at Jerusalem. Okay, I knew it was somewhere. Okay. Peter and his companions were very sleepy. Again, always sleeping on them. <laughs> but then when they came fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men standing with him. As the men were leaving with Jesus, Peter said to him, Yeah. Master, I- it's good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters. 
when he's saying shelters, he's talking about three altars, basically. Mm. One for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. Oh, that was nice of Pete. While they were speaking, a cloud appeared and covered them, and they were afraid as they entered the cloud. A voice came from the cloud saying, This is my son whom I have chosen. Listen to him. Like, be quiet. When Pete. they found the voice had spoken, they, when the voice had spoken, they found that Jesus was alone. The disciples kept this to themselves and did not tell anyone at this time what they had seen. Okay, now I want to go back. It's to interesting. You. They kept that to themselves. Luke mentions it, that they kept it to themselves yeah, at the time. At the time. So now, I've obviously, <clears throat> well after the fact, Luke is telling the story, mm-hmm. but also is told by the other yeah. I want to Gospels read, um, as well. Back in Matthew 17, because then the disciples, and no wonder they asked this, and the disciples, this is when they're coming down from the mountain. And the disciples asked Jesus, then why did the scribes say that first Elijah must come? He answered, Elijah does come and he will restore all things. But I tell you, that Elijah has already come and they did not recognize him, but did to him whatever they pleased. So also the son of man will certainly suffer at their hands. Then the disciples understood that he was speaking to them of John the Baptist. So he came in the power and spirit of Elijah. He was, he wasn't Elijah, but he was like Elijah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and he dressed like Elijah yep. and yep. lived in the desert like Elijah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, there was and a lot of similarities there again. The one, one of my notes before. here. Let me get back to. That's in Luke where we. Where they talk about his diet. John's diet. John the Baptist. Diet. Let me, I guess I just was thinking it. Anyway, somewhere, you know, we hear he eats locusts and honey. But mm-hmm. the note here said that was just a typical desert diet because that's what you could find in the desert. Mm-hmm. I mean, mainly that was mainly what he ate, but I'm sure he ate other stuff. Yeah. Drank water, probably. But I, uh, we can learn so. Elijah, well, I'll meet Elijah. If you know Jesus, you'll go to heaven, you'll get to meet him. And he will come. Should we read that from Revelation? Because it's really scary. Yeah, I've got that right now. Yeah, go ahead. So when he will be one of the two witnesses who come back to you, you read. So this is a Revelation 11, starting in verse three. And I will appoint my two witnesses and they will prophesy for 1,260 days clothed in sackcloth. They are the two olive trees and the two lampstands. And they stand before the Lord of the earth. If anyone tries to harm them, fire comes to their mouths and devours their enemies. This is how anyone who wants to harm them must die. They have power to shut up the heavens so that it will not rain during the time they are prophesying. And they will they have power to turn the waters into blood and to strike the earth with every kind of plague as often as they want. Now when they have finished their testimony, the beast that comes from the abyss will attack them, overpower, and kill them. Their bodies will lie in the public square of the great city, which is figuratively called Sodom and Egypt, where also their Lord was crucified. For three and a half days, some of every people, tribe, language, and nation will gaze on their bodies and refuse them in burial. The inhabitants of the earth will gloat over them and will celebrate by sending each other gifts because these two prophets had tormented those who live on the earth. So for 1,200 days, it did not rain. It's like four years now. We're talking three years plus. Wow. Where it doesn't rain again, which... Okay, I should say, it doesn't say it's Elijah, but I guess we all assume Elijah will be coming back. Well, and that's not, it's not an assumption. That's a biblical scholar thing. Well, yeah. I'm going to. But in this script, they just call them the two witnesses. But I believe, and many believe that, that 
it'll probably be Elijah and Moses. Come full circle. So it's over three, three and a half years, which is about the time it says three and a half years with when Elijah right. called it down. It's so like, it's the same time frame. Mm -hmm. So there's another connection with Elijah yeah, there. Yeah. And but, then, after, but after the three and a half days, the breath of life of God from God entered them. And they stood on their feet and terror struck those who saw them. Mm -hmm. Then they heard a loud voice call from heaven saying, come up here. And they went up to heaven in a cloud while their enemies looked on. Wow. Again, referencing back to Elijah. Yeah. Who? Yeah, he went up. Elijah's one of the guys in the Bible that did not ever die. Mm -hmm. The other one's Enoch. He but, just. Yeah. Yeah. The, the chariot of fire came down and took him up. Mm -hmm. I mean. That must have been crazy. What an exit. Yeah. What an exit. Well, and also here. Um. <clears throat> Oh, just a thought, you know, I'm sure when people even not that long ago read this and it says, um, for three and a half, you read this and mm -hmm. you read it for three and a half days, some from the peoples and tribes and languages and nations will gaze at their dead bodies and refuse to let them be placed in the tomb. And those who dwell on the earth will rejoice over them. I mean, all the, the, the media we have now, everyone can see it all mm -hmm. at once at the same time, because People can use their phones and, you know, whatever. Yep. Well, and people celebrating the end of a drought and the end of all this terror and all these things going on. Um, that will be hopefully God's broadcast people, all over. Hopefully God's people will see this in Revelation and go, what are you celebrating? Yeah. You know, this is... But <clears throat> other things that Elijah did, of course, he confronted the uh, idolatrous prophets. Yeah. And they he were, mocks them. Right. They, he mocks their God, Baal. <clears throat> it's interesting because he left because he declared the drought yes. as God told him, and then he just went away. Mm -hmm. And then later, in the, at the end of it, he comes back. And he goes back to the king, kind of like, apparently you didn't learn your lesson. Mm -hmm. And he says, gather all, eat all of Israel including the 850 idolatrous prophets. So gather Israel. So those prophets must have been from inside Israel. Well, they there were 400 prophets. I just read this. So there were 400 mm -hmm. prophets that ate at Jezebel's table every day. Right. So no, those might have been, she might have brought them with her, the Baal prophets. It could have been. But um, where is that? Because I, oh, it's right here. Um, so... You all can read that. That's an 18. But I wanted, to, I wanted to read this about what the people said. Then Elijah said to all the peoples, this is an 1830. Come near to me. And all the people came near to him. He's talking to the Israelites. And he repaired the altar of the Lord. That he, And then he told tell them how to arrange everything. And he says, uh, where did it answer? Oh, where? I wanted to. What do you want? Uh, there's a place where he asks them a question. Oh, this is it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That was probably really loud. Mm -hmm. This is before. Um, so it's the 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. That's an 18 who are there. So Ahab sent to all the people of Israel and gathered the prophets together at Mount mm -hmm. Carmel. Elijah came near to all the people and said, how long will you go limping between two different opinions? Mm -hmm. The Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people did not answer him a word. That's what that it's just like 
they couldn't say anything because now it's just right on the open. You're just he trying called, to. He called it out and said, and they, Ahab no or Jezebel. Ahab is, Ahab is the Jewish king. And he has the, the Baal worshiping wife. And he says, you can't waver, pick. Mm-hmm. And they don't answer him. So then he gives them, okay, let me show you who God is. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. He goes through this and, and obviously we know the story about it. Um, I think it's interesting because it says, uh, you know, they, they call Baal from morning till noon and they're Baal answerous. They're wanting all this fire to come down. Cutting themselves. And then at noon, Elijah begins to taunt them. Yeah. Shout right. louder. Perhaps he's deep in thought or busy or traveling. Maybe he's sleeping and you have to awaken him. Another one says <laughs> he's maybe just he's sitting there saying, in the bathroom. I can call God. And he answers, you call Baal. Well, maybe he's asleep. Maybe you should yell louder. And it's interesting at this point also that um, as it happens, you know, as, as it happens, he, he gives them... He gives them all the advantages. Yep. They, he gives them every chance. And he says, this is what God said. And so, and this is very interesting too. Um, so we have Elijah and we see him as this peaceful prophet. Um, even though he was called by Obadiah, he was called the troubler of Israel. Is that yes. you, you Amen. troubler? Yes, and he says, um, I'm not troubling I'm not the troubler. You guys are the troubler the way you're living. So he's, he's so far been kind of peaceful. And then he gets to taunting these guys. And then it says, um, after this happened and God did this, the people saw it. They fell down and said, the Lord is God. He is God. He is God. Mm-hmm. So they finally answered him mm-hmm. after God gives them this miracle to see it. They finally answer him. And then what? Elijah commanded them, seize the prophets of Baal. Don't let anyone get away. They seized them. And Elijah brought them down to the Kishon Valley and slaughtered them there. Oh, yeah. And Elijah, 450. Elijah said, bring them down. And he slaughtered them. Yeah. That's a long day of slaughtering people. Well, I, this bet, is, I bet he commanded it all. But I bet he uh, It says he did it. Elijah brought them down to the Kishon and Valley and slaughtered, and slaughtered them. them all. But I think he... Must have had help slaughtering. You can't. I don't know. Yeah, but either but way, either way, this is a man of God. And but there is absolutely no forgiveness. There is no offer of forgiveness. There is nothing. This is evil, and evil will be destroyed. Mm-hmm. And he completely destroys it. And when we see it in Revelation, anyone who comes up against him is destroyed by fire. Mm-hmm. There is no, when Elijah comes out and says, this is God, this is evil. Mm-hmm. Evil must be destroyed. You cannot tolerate it. You cannot live with it. You cannot let it go on. You have to do something about mm-hmm. it. I want to read something here. Sure. This is this is a little commentary from Eugene Peterson about Elijah and prayer. So th- this is all Elijah's Elijah. So Elijah at prayer is a vis- visible sign of the power of God among the people, the power to command the drought ending rain. The New Testament has an encouraging slant on this story. Well, we did read this, but I'll keep reading. In James 5, 16 through 18, the prayer of a person living right with God is something power to be reckon, powerful to be reckoned with. Elijah, for instance, human just like us, prayed hard that it wouldn't rain, and it didn't. Not a drop for three and a half years. 
Then he prayed that it would rain, and it did. Uh-huh. The showers came, and everything started growing again. The encouraging thing about this story is that Elijah was human just like us. He wasn't a mastermind, a mighty man, or a miracle worker. He was a man made of the same clay that you and I are made of. The miracle came because a person who was living right with God prayed, and he didn't stop praying until God fulfilled his word to him. There's an interesting thing here, too, that happens after this. It started to rain. I love the, I love the imagery here because we have this man in the cloth, in the, the hair coat. It says he tucks it up inside his belt and runs, and runs ahead of Ahab who's riding a horse or riding a chariot. A chariot and he's in a chariot. And he, he beats him there. But then Jezebel says she's coming after him and he's afraid. Mm-hmm. Why is he afraid of Jezebel? He just took him out with fire for, and for slaughtered all these guys. And he's, he's just, afraid of Jezebel. I think he's just wiped out. And it says he comes to a broom bush, sits under it, and prays that he might die. Yeah, but I think he was on this. He, You know how you get when you're just preaching on Sunday mornings. You're exhausted when we get home. Yeah. And I think he had so much spiritual strength, showed it all out, and so much been emotions. A, it's been a big day. Yeah, and he's just plain exhausted. Yeah, but he says, I've had enough, Lord. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. So in other words, he's saying it didn't change anything. He's discouraged, I think, Mm -hmm. because everything happened and everybody said, the Lord is God, the Lord is God, the Lord is God. And yet they still still allow Jezebel to have the power that she has. Yeah, And it should have been an immediate condemnation to Jezebel because she was the one backing the Baal priests, but it wasn't. So, and then... The angel came and fed him again. And there, With some bread over hot coals and a jar of water. And then the same yeah. as he had asked for initially from the widow. Oh, I hadn't thought about it that. Came full circle. But I will say there's another uh, chapter or two later. He comes back to Ahab one more time, and he um, uh, Ahab wants this guy's vineyard that's beside the palace, mm. and. The guy won't sell it to him because he's righteous and he's not supposed to sell his his own his family's land, and so he goes and sulks. And Jezebel says, "Well, you're the king; you can do whatever you want. Let me take care of it." So she sends letters to the guy's town people, mm-hmm. and in the letters it says, "Basically, kill him." Mm-hmm. And it's a little longer than that, but you know, I was reading that yesterday. I was thinking, why did those people? not do what it said and I guess they were afraid too or they were just all in on it and then Elijah goes and confronts Ahab who's in that new vineyard of his and that's uh and actually what's funny is he prophesies to Ahab his future and his family's future and then Ahab repents in a in a sullen kind of way but he puts on ash cloth or sackcloth and ashes and repents, and God honors that. God honors Ahab's repentance. He gives him that opportunity. I mean, it's amazing because, you know, all the things he's done, all the people he's killed, all the... And I want to I go back to one more thing. Oh, yeah, go ahead. There's so much with Elijah. There's so much with Elijah, but I want to go back to one more thing because I think this is just beautiful. I love this part. Ahab is running, and... <laughs> He says, you know, I'm scared. And 
God says, what are you doing here? And he says, oh, no, not Ahab's running. No, Elijah's Elijah's running. running. Yeah, from Jezebel. Jezebel. And he says, what are you doing here? And he says, I've been so zealous for you. I've done everything for you. But, you know, I'm the only one left that are going to try and kill me too. And God says to go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord. Now, he's in a cave. Okay, he slept in a cave at night. Go out and stand there on the mountain for the Lord is about to pass by. So now just read it. That's amazing. Yeah. And then it says, Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After wind there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. He was supposed to stand on the mountain because God was going to pass by. He's in the cave. And all these things are going on outside in the mountains. He's in the cave. All these things are going on. But he knows He knows the voice of, of God. And when he hears the voice of God, he goes out. I just like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's special. And that's when God says, go back. Mm-hmm. And this is who I want you to anoint. This is it. So and yeah. then he finds Elisha. So. Yeah, Elisha. Yeah. But... The thing about Elijah that we have to remember here is Elijah was, he was very special because he was faithful. Yeah. But he was just a man, mm-hmm. just like everyone else. But he was faithful to God when everyone else wasn't. Mm-hmm. And it was interesting. Um, later on when God has him um, go and anoint these other kings and stuff, God tells him, I reserve 7,000 in Israel, all those knees, all those whose knees have not bowed down to Baal and whose mouths have not kissed him. Yeah. There is still a remnant. Yeah. You're not alone. I'm going to 7,000. Wow. It's not just you and one guy. Yeah. It's you and 7,000 more that yeah. would have been faithful. I really, um, I recommend if you've not yourself read about Elijah, we just kind of touched on everything. Start in first Kings 17 and his story does not end. You read all of, that first Kings goes through 22 and then the first two chapters of second Kings. And there's not a boring part in it. I no. mean, this is good stuff. No. And, uh, I really recommend you, you know, read there, it for yourself. There are times when you read through the Bible, there are, there are certain books in the Bible that are harder to read yeah. because they're lists and they're numbers. They're an accountant's book. And they're important to history. They're important, but it's also, it's, it's harder for us to read that sometimes. And especially in this modern age of movies and television mm-hmm. where we see things, you know. But boy, what a story. Yeah, Elijah. Elijah has a story. What a what a story. I will say that made me my my dad, I don't know if he's he said he was gonna read it again, but last year he read through the Bible for the first time. And I mentioned Leviticus and he goes, You know, I enjoyed Leviticus. I thought it was very interesting and that's where they talk about boils and skin diseases and stuff, you know. Each your own. You might enjoy the yeah. the lists. Awesome. It's just it's I, all important. I love Elijah. I love Elisha too. I mean, Elisha's funny. He was bald and poor Elisha's just out there, just plowing away, just manual labor, doing his thing. And Elijah walks up and says, nah, "I got other plans." Yeah. Well, <laughs> he was excited, and I think he was in a wealthy. His family was wealthy because they had twelve yoke of oxen all plowing. Mm-hmm. You know, he but was, well, you think of that twelve yoke of oxen. That's twenty-four oxen. That's a pretty good size plow. Well, no, but I, I think, imagine. no, there was 12 separate 
he was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen. Yeah. He himself was driving the 12th pair. So yes, yes, pairs. yes, yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, so 12, 12 plows. Yeah, that's a lot. That's a big field. That must be a pretty good sized field, and that must there's a lot of servants there. He's yeah. obviously the the son. Yeah, and he but, leaves all the wealth for mm-hmm. to follow Jesus, to follow God. But that's now that's another prophet Elisha. Yeah, you know, it would have been better if his name was different because people always you say Elijah or Elisha. If his name been Jed, you know Elijah and his servant Jed. <laughs> you know, or, or something. It would have been a little easier, but that's okay. But I think there's meaning to the names. There's, oh, there's there is. Purpose for there it. is. There is purpose. There is purpose. And uh, yeah, read Elijah's story. You'll, you'll get stuff out of it that we didn't even touch on because every time you read something in the Bible, you're going to learn something or God will reveal something that means a lot to you in that moment. This really that, like I mentioned about, um, uh, the provision, it's just, I'm just amazed how there are no limits to God's provision. And there's no reason why we ever have to doubt him. Now we do get doubts. People do. And that's okay. But if you just say, no, I'm not going to doubt. God will provide because he says he will. And uh, even I just, God is amazing. And Elijah was an amazing man. But again, he's just a human. Right. But he, he walked in obedience to God and he listened to what God said. Mm-hmm. He listened for the voice of God. He, he heard the whisper and knew that it was God. He, he recognized the voice of God. And I think today for us, that's something we can look at too and say, can I, can I hear the voice of God? Mm-hmm. It's there. Mm-hmm. It's there for you. If you pray and you, if, if you spend time in prayer, talking to God and you spend time in prayer listening to God, you will hear the voice of God. And it does, it gets easier to hear God's voice. The more you listen, you, your ears to attune to his voice. It's just like anything you, you need to practice. And I want to say something. I, I do recommend Shannon's sermon from today. You can go to the Greenbroke preacher channel podcast channel, and it's called where is the witness? I don't know what number it is, but it's called Where's the Witness? Because I don't know when you're going to see this or read it, hear this. One other, he was talking, you were talking today about uh, us being witnesses. We need to speak out the truth that we know. Jesus died for our sins. He was resurrected. He lives today. And the things, but the reason why I brought that up was because the more you witness, the easier it gets too. Everything we do for God. If it, it it will give us more boldness when we witness, but then it, it will get better. I mean, we'll get and more God, eloquent. Or and the lessons to learn from Elijah is witness. You know, tell people what God tells you to tell people. Yes, live according to God's will, but also Elijah confronted the evil that was in mm. front of him. Yes, and you were talking he about confronted that today. the evil. He did not. He did not let it go. It yeah. was something he confronted. And yeah. in doing so... That took um, guts. That took guts. And he was still a man. He was fallible. He was scared. Mm-hmm. It must have been scared to talk to Ahab, too, because he was a well, and God, bloody king. God had to keep calling him back because of his fear. So it's okay. You can run into fear. You can run into all those things. But go back to God, and God will give you strength. God will help you through. Mm-hmm. 
the same way he did for Elijah. And I think that's why Elijah is pertinent today. Yeah, he's very pertinent. Pertinent with us today because I don't think any of us can look around and not see the evil in the world. Yeah. But we've seeing it, recognizing it is only one part. Mm-hmm. We have to call it out for what it is. Yeah. And that one thing, courage doesn't mean you're not afraid. It means you step out anyway. You know, you might feel a lot of feel a lot of fear, but you have enough faith to, I'm going to step out because God tells me to do it. And if God told you to do it, that's the thing to do. I guess we should go. All right. Thanks for listening. God bless. Bye. Thank you.